Hey friends, this is Lewis Harris, your Sonoma County Young Dems chair. I just want to let y'all know that today is Sunday, April 29th. And today I'm planning on going to the League of Women Voters Civil Discourse panel discussion event. It'll take place at Everett Community College around 2 p.m. Hoping to at least show a presence of Snohomish County Young Democrats there, but also to get you guys some information from some of these events that are going on in the community. So check back. I'm going to cut out and I'll be back later. I just remember, we never really talked about what civil discourse is. So I'm going to give you my perception of what civil discourse is. And then later today at the event, we'll get a League of Women Voters perspective on what civil discourse is. I believe civil discourse is part of what makes America great because of the constitution that was made saying that anybody can say anything they want relatively and the ability for people to have their own opinions speak on them and still be okay about it. Civil discourse is that. It's that process of debate or conversation, if you will, where two sides talk about the importance of having and using your rights. Now, I just wonder, is this an accurate understanding of what civil discourse is? If you have any questions or would like to make any comments, feel free to leave a comment either on the Facebook post or through the message feature from this podcast. Let's see what the League of Women Voters has to say. So we're going to start the civil discourse um, event podcast um, here in a second, but I wanted to correct some of the previous information I gave. The event was actually held at the Everett Public Library on Hoyt. Um, and so uh, it was actually a really good event, and I actually learned a lot. So let's listen in on what happened, and we'll touch base after it's done. I appreciate it because I have been really looking forward to what Jacqueline Sterna has to say. Uh, I know Jacqueline from 
common work in the Dispute Resolution Center, which is an arm of the Volunteers of America. I was a, um, a mediator there for a number of years in my past. And when we were talking about a previous event related to our Civil Discourse Committee in the League, we wanted to put together a panel of people who could talk about how to, how to manage, how civil discourses manage different, different parts of the world. And I said, oh my gosh, you have to have a mediator. These are professional civil discourse promoters. That's what these people do for a living. So we reached out to the civil discourse, uh, to the, to the uh, mediating group in Everett. They recommended Jacqueline. She was sight unseen to me at the time. We reached out, she was willing to come down, and she turned out to be one of the stars of that panel. She was terrific. We then invited her back so we could have brought a fellow mediator. Once again, she we wanted to follow on the League of Women Voters a week of communication. This past um, and I am part of the Dispute Resolution Centers of Snohomish Island and Skagit County, counties, which is very exciting for me because it means I have this wonderful range of opportunity to meet and interact with a whole lot of different people from a very beautiful place. I'm excited to talk about civility because it's been one of my professional passions for a very long time. My background is that I was an environmental activist in college and was very interested in human rights and civil rights. And uh, that passion led me to pursue political science and environmental studies. And so I always had this interest in community engagement and working in public participation. And uh, with that type of community engagement and interest in public participation, there is a lot of communication that happens a lot of different styles of communication, types of communication that happen when we're at our very, very best, and also when we're having a, a down or a low day or a moment where we're, we're not 100%. And so within that, um, there's been a very strong interest on a regional level about the idea of civility. What is civility in society? Civility is a formal politeness characterized by respectful communication and courteous behavior. Civility is both an attitude and a cultivated skill set which is best utilized when there is interpersonal interaction, discussion, uh, over positions, issues, interests, core values, public policy, or even within our, our public life. Recently, I was listening to a podcast um, by Krista Tippett on, on being, and there is a quote in it that I really uh, resonated with. Krista said, public life is bigger than political life. We have narrowly equated the two in recent years, and we've impoverished ourselves in the process. Public life includes all of our disciplines and endeavors, including ourselves as citizens and professional people and neighbors, as parents and as friends. The places we've looked for leadership and modeling have become broken in our midst. And so it is up to us, where we live, to start having the conversations we want to be hearing and creating the realities we want to inhabit. I was really moved by this because civility starts here and now. It starts with me in, in the state that I'm in on this Sunday afternoon and in my uh, demeanor, in my body language, in my thoughts, um, and being able to take a deep breath and be as centered as I can on any given day. And that extends out to the room that we're in and into the community that we're in, in Everett and emanates out into Snohomish County, 
north up to Skagit, north up to Whatcom, and so on and so forth, north and south down the I-5 corridor. So I really like, do like the idea of civility being within the here and now and within the present moment. I've also found that civility is a way to strengthen community because it generates respect, both self-respect and respect in an outward way. It is a key component in establishing relationships. The attitude and skill of civility strengthens relationship development in certain phases. The building phase of relationships, the maintenance phase, or stabilizing phase of relationships, and also in the restorative aspect of relationship. When, when there's been some sort of transformation or sideways movement in the relationship where restorative practices or connections need to be uh, repaired. We know that strong relationships build social capital, contribute to safety, to living in a vibrant, healthy community. As I was thinking about this speech and preparing for our time together today, I, I also drew on some of the work uh, from Dr. Kenneth Cloak, who is a, a very well-known mediator that has inspired me over the years. And in some of his work, Dr. Cloak shares that a civil society creates and bridges two kinds of social capital, bonding capital and bridging capital. And what this means is that bonding capital is created when people socialize with others like themselves. So that's the easy part. <laughs> bridging capital, however, is where there's effort and outreach, where people socialize with those who are unlike themselves. <laughs> These interactions happen over time, and this is what strengthens bonding capital. This is what strengthens communities and society. So it's working up to that comfort zone, and then just a little bit past it. Pushing the comfort zone and that edge just a little bit every time, of course, with courtesy and respect and goodwill. There are a lot of different types of processes within the mediation world that contribute to civility and to effective communication and to the creation of both bonding and bridging social capital. And I'll, I'll talk about some of those techniques in just a moment. I've come up with seven, and if we have time, eight techniques. <laughs> they are uh, have an open mind. It's be aware of interpersonal interactions. Be aware of your speech. Apply the skills of conflict resolution. Trust, integrity, the power of an apology. And the tricky number eight is uh, repair or the restorative practices approach. That I'd be happy to share with you. However, I've limited to um, just a, a handful. So as a mediator, I've embraced the idea that conflict is natural and it's healthy and it can be enriching. However, it's how we approach conflict and what our conflict styles are that really um, determine what the external output will be. If it will be healthy conflict that builds and enriches and, and reaches for growth and so a solution? Or will it be unhealthy conflict that leads to a dive, downward spiral where relationships deteriorate, there's a high amount of economic costs, emotional pain and distress? 
I prefer that people have smooth training in conflict resolution and even a, a conflict management plan in their workplace or in organizations where they volunteer because that helps to support the idea of growth and development and in rebuilding or building relationships and getting to it a deeper level of understanding. Within the idea of conflict resolution, something I've shared with um, League of Women Voters and, and Karen in the past is be calm, be curious. If we're relaxed, calm, and curious, there's nothing aggressive in that. It's a matter of saying, I am curious about why you think this or why you feel this. Wow, you're really passionate about um, you know, what type of fruit smoothie you have every morning. I'd like to learn more. I'd like to learn why. And that state of being of relaxed, calm, and curious um, can be very constructive in resolving conflict and helping people determine what path they'll take. Will it be healthy conflict where the relationships are enriched or will it lead to that downward spiral of unhealthy conflict? There's also something called a soft startup that is important. This is also linked to timing and conflict resolution and can be very simple. Um, it never hurts to ask if it's a good time to talk about something serious. For example, um, if you have a significant other, they've had a really rough week, uh, happy hour Friday at five might not be the perfect time to talk about a really pressing issue. Instead, be relaxed, calm and curious and ask, hey, over the weekend, I'm wondering if there is a time we can discuss this big issue in a civil and respectful way. Some other skills that mediators use are reflecting, reframing, and neutralizing. So reflecting back is that you are able to acknowledge what you've heard from your friend or neighbor or coworker. Reframing is uh, assembling the words in such a different way that they're able to hear it back as well and know that they've been heard. And neutralizing is a very wonderful skill because that drops down the intensity level of, of any words that might be inflammatory or volatile or um, inappropriate. So neutral language can be very helpful in um, taking a tense conversation and de-escalating a tense conversation to a kind, calm place. Some other things that mediators look for in their conflict resolution include uh, being aware of the cycle of strong emotions. So hooks and triggers. Um, if we see that someone is highly triggered, it can be difficult to engage in civil discourse when their emotions are amplified to a certain extent. And this could be clear in body language, uh, facial expressions, and whatnot. So in the cycle of strong emotions, it's important to gauge, are they in a place of passion? Or are, is this person that I'm engaging with uh, in a place of high stress? And if they're in a place of high stress, then we want to allow time for people to come back down to where their physiology isn't as activated. They're in that calm, centered place. And again, able to engage in um, a relaxed way and have a, a, a good conversation. And as a listener, that also means that we have to be aware of ourselves. Uh, are we able to stay calm 
and centered, or um, are, are we getting triggered or hooked? And then um, finding that we're pulled off center and um, shifting into incivil, incivility rather than civility. So triggers and hooks are, are two things to look for. Hooks are usually within ourselves as well. Um, and the triggers are what we'll have a, a reaction to. In conflict resolution, we hope that our, our clients will be in a place where they're able to respond rather than react. Now, sometimes we can't help but react, we're all human, um, but if we're able to um, keep ourselves practicing that idea of being responsive, then we're more likely to have a constructive conversation. How much time? There's something that uh, I work with called the trust continuum. It's healthy trust or smart trust. So line trust is on one side of the spectrum, and that means that we're really not awake, we're not paying attention, we're not thinking in a substantive way, uh, we're not thinking critically. Line trust tends to have a lot of naivety and gullibility. Smart trust right in the middle means that there's an openness, there's a sense of responsiveness, however, the discerning mind is engaged. And on the other side of the spectrum is mistrust or distrust. We're too suspicious, too closed, too critical. There needs to be some opening, maybe a little more wonder. And with the idea of trust, that helps to create a safe place or a safe space for civil discourse and civil engagement, civic engagement. Number six, integrity. I like the idea of integrity as a whole state of being in which and where we're undiminished. So not only are we thinking before we're speaking for full consideration and courtesy and respect, but our thoughts, our words and our actions are all in alignment. So there is that uh, continuity or consistency. Number seven, one of my favorites, is the power of an apology. An apology can be incredibly healing and shift things in, in such a remarkable way. And you never know when you'll receive an apology, although we often know when we need to give one. So recently, as I've been going through this medical ordeal, I found myself at the hospital in Bellingham, which is my least favorite place, although I'm grateful for the facilities. And I, I was in a stuck spot. I was having a really hard day. My health just switched on a dime. And I had to have my wits about me while I was in this uncomfortable medical situation. And I reached out to someone who works at the hospital that um, I had a relationship in the long distance past and uh, really found to be a complete opposite personality of mine. And uh, that person was able to come to my aid, help me in a vulnerable position, situation, and surprisingly gave me the most wonderful, beautiful apology of my life that I wasn't expecting. I didn't think it would ever come. And there was humility in it, there was sincerity, there was truth, there was power. And in that circumstance, I felt like I was able to, sh that relationship shifted back to a friendship. So the power of an apology can be really wonderful and transformative, especially when it's sincere and well-intentioned. So that, that power of an apology is something that I think 
builds and sustains relationships. It helps us feel stronger and more connected at the community level. And you know, it just shows that we're all human and life happens and sometimes life goes sideways when we don't expect it to. However, having that level of civility uh, and respect is a wonderful baseline and foundation. So I did want to speak just a little bit between seven and eight on my list about um, what shuts down civility and what erodes relationships and how. And I'm going to draw on the research of John Gottman and the Gottman Institute for this. There are four quick, uh, quick things that I think are very telling. Civility and relationships are eroded by contempt, criticism, defensiveness, and stonewalling. Those four things can be predicted by the Gottman Institute to deteriorate relationships. And they found a wonderful social science research methodology for documenting this and these interactions, which is fascinating. And as a divorce mediator, uh, we'll often see these four things within our mediation. When there's high criticism, high contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling playing out, those conversations don't go very far very quickly. Uh, it's really difficult for people to move out of, out of those emotional states and to really make any concrete decisions uh, in moving forward in their lives in a healthier way. There are other things that erode civility in relationships, and uh, it can be um, hesitancy to apologize, uncertainty about oneself or what one's positions, issues, or interests are, or communication skills, a lack of trust or mistrust, falling onto the spectrum of, of distrust rather than discernment and smart trust being disengaged or excluded from a community, not really feeling like you have a voice. So, and I'm sure that we could, if we sat here, we could create a list of hundreds or dozens of reasons about why people shift to a place of the unhealthy conflict style and instability, rather than a healthy conflict style that leads to civil discourse that is constructive. However, um, let's talk a little bit more about and that is step eight. The repair process when people get sidetracked and then come back is incredibly powerful. I mentioned the apology and how wonderful that is, and that's step one. But there's something called restorative practices, which is a whole view and way of looking at oneself and our interactions in the world to create healthier relationships, healthier connections, and a way to move from the past to a healthier future. Some repair words that are part of restorative practices are, I feel. So being vulnerable enough to share an I feel statement that is true to, to where you are in the moment. I'm sorry for X, Y, Z. Finding a way to get to yes, really demonstrating that you are committed to finding common ground and excited about creating common ground and being able to stand in that common space with someone, no matter what their personal or political views are. Getting to yes and being able to negotiate in a healthy way where people may compromise, it's a good thing. 
Other aspects of repair and restoration include the ability to calm oneself down, to be very aware of physiology, recognizing if you're overheated, knowing your own um, predilections when you're overheated, and being able to say, I need to calm down. Stopping action is important as well, so knowing when to set a limit or parameter on yourself. And also expressing gratitude. Science and demonstrations of appreciation can be very far-reaching and are uh, wonderful in healing and repairing relationships and keeping people in a place of civility rather than incivility. Now, a lot of the work that we're doing in the mediation world throughout the state right now is restorative in nature. We're offering peacekeeper circles in schools to families, at senior, senior homes, um, and really throughout, throughout the different counties because we're finding that taking time to offer a peacekeeping circle is a way where everyone has a voice, everyone is able to, to sit and listen actively and to share and to connect. And that it can be a really wonderful way to build, rebuild the community and even to explore different community issues that we may be faced with on any given day, week, or month. Any questions before I continue? Okay. Perhaps you could, um, in your remarks, address the situation when there are significant power differentials between individuals due to whatever uh, source of influence and power exists in our society, and there are many. Power imbalance. And I'm going to draw on the research of John Gottman, the Gottman Institute for this. There are four quick, uh, quick things that I think are very telling. Civility and relationships are eroded by contempt, criticism, defensiveness, and stonewalling. Those four things can be predicted by the Gottman Institute to deteriorate relationships, and they found a wonderful social science research methodology for documenting this and these interactions, which is fascinating. And as a divorce mediator, uh, we'll often see these four things within our mediation. When there's high criticism, high contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling playing out, those conversations don't go very far very quickly. Uh, it's really difficult for people to move out of, out of those emotional states and to really make any concrete decisions uh, in moving forward in their lives in a healthier way. There are other things that erode civility in relationships, and uh, it can be um, hesitancy to apologize, uncertainty about oneself or what one's positions, issues, or interests are, or communication skills, a lack of trust or mistrust, falling into the spectrum of, of distrust rather than discernment and smart trust. Being disengaged or excluded from a community, not really feeling like you have a voice. So, and I'm sure that we could, if we sat here, we could create a list of hundreds or dozens of reasons about why people shift to a place of the unhealthy conflict style and incivility rather than a healthy conflict style that leads to civil discourse that is constructive. However, 
Um, let's talk a little bit more about and that is step eight. The repair process when people get sidetracked and then come back is incredibly powerful. I mentioned the apology and how wonderful that is, and that's step one. But there's something called restorative practices, which is a whole view and way of looking at oneself and our interactions in the world to create healthier relationships, healthier connections, and a way to move from the past to a healthier future. Some repair words that are part of restorative practices are, I feel. So being vulnerable enough to share an I feel statement that is true to, to where you are in the moment. I'm sorry for X, Y, Z. Finding a way to get to yes, really demonstrating that you are committed to finding common ground and excited about creating common ground and being able to stand in that common space with someone, no matter what their personal or political views are. Getting to yes and being able to negotiate in a healthy way where people may compromise is a good thing. Other aspects of repair and restoration include the ability to calm oneself down, to be very aware of physiology, recognizing if you're overheated, knowing your own um, predilections when you're overheated, and being able to say, I need to calm down. Stopping action is important as well, so knowing when to set a limit or parameter on yourself. And also expressing gratitude. Signs and demonstrations of appreciation can be very far-reaching and are uh, wonderful in healing and repairing relationships and keeping people in a place of civility rather than incivility. Now, a lot of the work that we're doing in the mediation world throughout the state right now is restorative in nature. We're offering peacekeeper circles in schools to families, at senior, senior homes, um, and really throughout, throughout the different counties, because we're finding that taking time to offer a peacekeeping circle is a way where everyone has a voice, everyone is able to, to sit and listen actively, and to share, and to connect. And that it can be a really wonderful way to build, rebuild the community and even to explore different community issues that we may be faced with on any given day, week, or month. Any questions before I continue? Okay. Perhaps you could, um, in your remarks, address the situation when there are significant power differentials between individuals due to whatever uh, source of influence and power exists in our society and there are many. Power imbalance in ourselves, in our families, in our groups of friends and social networks, in our workplaces and in the community that we live. Um, I'd like to encourage you to continue enriching yourself and to continue modeling leadership in daily interactions, to continue displaying kindness and compassion and empathy, to continue working at restorative practices within your own daily world and re repairing harm where harm has been caused. I encourage you to continue being brave and courageous and handling tough topics with dignity and with grace. And 
If everyone in this room makes that commitment to themselves, we'll be recreating the world in a civil way. To conclude, one of my favorite um, leaders, Morris K. Udall, said that issues in politics come and go, but in the end, we will all be remembered for the way we treated other people. And with that sense of memory, let's all treat each other well and with respect. So thank you. So I hope everyone enjoyed that segment, part of this uh, initiative to get more content information and um, relevant stuffs out to you uh, regarding politics from the Snohomish County Young Democrats. If you have any questions about any of the events that we have, feel free to follow us on Facebook. You can also check us out on our website at yd.com s n o c o d e m s dot org that's y d dot snowcodems dot org feel free to become a member of the Snohomish county young democrats you can find a link to join on our webpage and on our facebook and we hope that you at least keep engaging with us through the content that we share our meetings and anything else relevant coming up soon. Thanks for listening. Catch y'all later.